What up, what up, what up? Hey, everybody. I hope you're doing well. Hey, I just want to let you know, I know everybody can't always support and donate uh, to the podcast, but hey, if you can do a one-time donation, I put up a buy me a coffee uh, link in this description of the podcast. So if you go to the description of the podcast, it'll be at the bottom, and you can just uh, go to that link and you buy me a cup of coffee, or two if you want. And uh, that would just help support the show, and uh, I can... I can wake up a little bit more and bring you more info so thanks for listening to the podcast if you can donate that would be much appreciated and let's get on to the show what up what up what up welcome back to lockdown universe some of the bizarre peculiar and unheard of stories of ufo legend and paranormal lore welcome back welcome back happy to be back hopefully you guys are doing excellent and taking care of yourselves so tonight i wanted to continue on the alaskan kind of paranormal triangle that they have alien triangle that they have going on up there and it's been going on for over 50 years now 60 years um ever since going back to like the 70s and probably much earlier than that um, but tonight I want to talk to you about a Japan Airlines cargo flight that took place in 1986 it's November 17th as a matter of fact now, this is a cargo flight it's not a passenger flight they're carrying cargo they're actually carrying wine one of our uh, apparently best intergalactic exports to all alien races since we make such fine alcoholic beverages according to Randy Kramer. Now, this flight took place, uh, it was en route from Paris to Narita International Airport near Tokyo with a cargo of Beaujolais wine. Uh, so they were en route, but they were in the Anchorage section of the flight, Anchorage, Alaska. At about 5.11 p.m., over eastern Alaska, the crew first witnessed two unidentified objects to their left. Now, this is where it gets interesting because they actually see a humongous mothership the size of two aircraft carriers, okay? And this pilot is 47 years old at the time, has 30 years experience flying, okay? Very, very experienced uh, pilot from Japan. Uh, he stayed, or the crew states that uh, they witnessed the two unidentified objects to their left, and they abruptly rose from below them and closed in to escort this craft. They each had two rectangular arrays of what appeared to be glowing nozzles or thrusters, through though their bodies remained obscured by darkness. They appeared to be walnut-like in shape with bumps, ridges like a walnut would have around the rim. Okay, these two craft uh, were close to the uh, Japan airline and they stated that when they were the closest, the aircraft's cabin was lit up and the captain could feel the heat on his face. These two craft departed before a third much larger disc-shaped object, started trailing them. The Anchorage Air Traffic Controller uh, requested an oncoming United Airlines flight to confirm the unidentified traffic. They asked them to put eyes on it and deter their 
particular flight path to go towards the, the JAL uh, aircraft. Now, at about 1751, which is 551, no other aircraft could be distinguished. However, the sighting lasted 50 minutes. So as soon as this United Airlines uh, flight came into range of the Japan flight, this humongous <laughs> mothership basically took off. So the sighting lasted 50 minutes and ended in the vicinity of Denali. Okay, so the first sighting occurred from point A to point B, where flight 1628 was escorted by two objects. The third object approached and paced the cargo plane as it approached Eelson Air Force Base, mirroring the evasive maneuvers initiated by its pilots. The air traffic controller asked them, since it was such a humongous uh, mothership to try to use evasive maneuvers and so it did a broad long range 360 maneuver basically doing a big loop and the mothership tracked it the entire time two and a half months later flight as 53 recorded an unidentified object near mcgrath and a military plane observed an object between elmendorf and Eelson Air Force bases, which I will cover in just a second, because these all happen within a span of a year, okay, from 86 to 87. So the Japanese crew, okay, keep in mind Japanese culture, right? Japanese culture in general is to save face, to not, to not do anything that will cause too much attention, that will make them an outcast to their family, to their community, right? So no Japanese pilot with 30 years experience is going to come out and say he saw aliens in an alien ship but he did and he knew the consequences he actually drew a picture of both of these aircraft that looked like walnuts and then the mothership which looked like a humongous walnut right it's actually the size of two aircraft carriers so think about aircraft carriers that can carry 10 uh, planes on them and then be its own ship. I mean, these, these things are huge. To have something the size of two aircraft carriers is pretty much unheard of. <clears throat> so, the captain was Kenju Teruchi. Um, he's an ex-fighter pilot with more than 10,000 hours of flight experience. Uh, his co-pilot was Takanori uh, Temafuji. And they had a flight engineer, Yoshio Sakuda. It was a routine cargo flight. <laughs> so this was like pretty weird that this happened. Now they have an illustration here, which is kind of interesting. The first two objects based on Captain Teruchi's uh, drawings and description, they were shooting off lights that were square and rectangular in shape, some 500 feet to 1,000 feet in front of the cockpit. So it's almost like it was like trying to communicate with them somehow. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Um, at first, they kind of thought that they were military aircraft because they were pacing their flight and speed. However, at about 5.18 to 5.19, the two objects abruptly veered off a of position about 500 to 1,000 feet in front of the aircraft and assumed a stacked position, which is pretty rare, uh, given that it's going to cause a lot of air turbulence. 
Um, in doing so, they activated a reverse thrust and their lights became dazzlingly bright. To match the speed of the aircraft from their sideways approach, the objects displayed what Teruchi described as uh, a disregard for inertia. So basically they were violating our uh, idea of physics. Uh, the thing was flying as if there was no such thing as gravity. It sped up and then it stopped, then flew at our speed in our direction, so it appeared to be standing still. The next instant it changed course. So there's a lot of information here and the pilots, they notified air traffic control, um, which could not confirm that they had any traffic. So the air traffic control didn't see anything. Um, <laughs> and then... Moving forward, he speculated in his drawings that they, they would appear cylindrical if viewed from another angle. However, um, as he was able to see them, they appeared wal like a walnut shape. So they landed, and they gave their statements. And when they gave their statements, uh, JAL, the Japan Airline, uh, stated that this captain, Captain Teruchi, uh, embarrassed the airline by talking about UFOs and that he would no longer be flying despite his 10,000 hours of flight and 30 years as a career pilot. He was forced to take a desk job for many years before he could ever take flight in a Japan Airline aircraft again. Imagine that. His story got buried until 2001 when John Callahan the FAA head of accidents and incidents came out in the disclosure project and gave his testimony along with documentation from the FAA that he uh, hid from the government and presented it during the national press conference that the disclosure project initially did in 2001. They also did one recently in June 12, 2023. John Callahan is a formidable man, fierce in his convictions, and a large and, and loud man, not in an aggressive way, but in a confident way. His presentation was nothing short of brilliant and one of the best eyewitnesses that the Disclosure Project could find. He stated that the government came in to his FAA offices, offices in Washington, D.C., uh, along with his heads of department in the FAA, along with government individuals, which he had never met. They demanded all of these tapes. They demanded all of the documentation paperwork. He had made a copy of this documentation, the positions of the flights, the times, the recordings, the reports given by these officers, uh, these pilots. He gave all of the information, except his copies, to the government. The government stated, this meeting never happened. You're not allowed to talk about it. Captain Terucci was finally vindicated in 2001 when John Callahan finally came out and gave his testimony. Otherwise, the story would have been buried, along with countless others who their captains were probably fiercely uh, threatened, 
and possibly move to desk jobs after reporting their incidents. There were a few, a, a couple other flights following that year. One of them was a military flight. I'll tell you about them now. So there was a flight that took place uh, do, 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 in, all right, coming up here, Alaska Airlines Flight 53. This took place only, <coughs> only uh, looks like a couple months afterwards, January 1987 on the 29th at 6.40 p.m. The Alaska Airlines Flight 53 observed a fast-moving object on their onboard weather radar, which they had on the plane. While at 35,000 feet, 60 miles west of McGrath, on a flight from Nome to Anchorage, the radar registered a strong target at their 12 o'clock position. They could not distinguish any object or visually, but they noticed that the radar was showing it uh, increasing its distance at a very high rate. Every sweep of the radar showed about one second apart. Uh, showed the object adding five miles to its distance, meaning that it was traveling at 18,000 miles an hour. The pilot relayed that it, it appeared that it was traveling at a speed of a mile a second to the control tower, which would have been a speed of only 3,600 3, miles an hour. Uh, but they both confirmed that the target exceeded both the 50 and 100 mile ranges of the scope, radar scopes within a matter of seconds. The object was outside the radar of Anchorage ARTCC, which is the traffic control center uh, for Anchorage. And this is what they stated. They stated, um, is there any traffic uh, ahead of us, headed towards Anchorage? And the air traffic controller stated, I have one coming outbound from Anchorage towards McGrath. It's a Piper Navajo at 12,000, and I have the same direction for a Ryan Air Beach 02 estimating. Um, other than that, I don't have any other airplanes. And he's, and the pilot states that, you know, we're just curious because, you know, have you had any UFO reports up here lately? Because we picked up one uh, just underneath our radar, picked up a blip, moving at about a mile a second, it pulled out straight ahead of us and disappeared. Uh, something shot at him, but then it was there and then it was gone. Um, the air traffic controller asked, did they see it? Uh, um, did they still have any visual sighting? And they stated negative. We picked it up on radar. We just watched it and it pulled out straight ahead of us and disappeared in a matter of seconds. Imagine that being a pilot flying as fast as, you know, you normally do in, a, in an air airplane and this thing just zooming right past you in a matter of seconds out of sight that violates physics as we know it now there was another one that happened january 30th 1987 interestingly enough this is just what one day after after this one yeah just one day after this particular event occurred u.s air force kc-135 uh which is a jet uh, flying from Anchorage to Fairbanks, once again observed a very large dish-shaped object on January 30, 1987. The pilot reported that the object was 12 meters or 40 feet from the aircraft. Imagine that. That's like 
you stick out a few people and you're, you're touching the thing. So this is the uh, recording to the Anchorage ATC. Uh, the pilot of the KC-135 states, Do you have any traffic for us around 1 o'clock? I can't tell the distance, but it seems to be a low altitude. The traffic controller states, uh, Actor 2-9, negative. I have no traffic at your 1 o'clock. <laughs> Again, he state, the pilot states, We're from California just visiting up here. People, Do people see this sort of thing a lot? You know, and they state, uh, uh, the traffic controller states, no, it's very rare to see lights up there. And then the air traffic controller states, hey, guess what? Uh, Actor 29, the quality assurance staff at Anchorage Center here request that you give them a call after you land at Yielson. The KC-135 pilot states, is this concerning the object we're looking at? And the traffic controller states, affirmative, sir. So their air traffic controller at Anchorage uh, somebody higher up wants them to give wants the pilot to give them a call once they land at Eelson. Now this is kind of interesting because now they want to have confirmation because now they're getting a lot of information. They're getting multiple reports from the past two months about these humongous walnut-shaped craft. Now that that KC-135 is a Boeing Strata tanker. It's an American military. Air, aerial refueling tanker aircraft this thing is a beast it's a anything anything with strato in it is going to be a beast okay this thing uh <laughs> it was uh produced from 1955 to 1965 um and these things are these are the huge ships that you see in the movies that refuel uh fighter jets in the air with those long poles that go in directly into the fighter jet while they're flying these are called strata tankers. They're, they extend the range of U.S. tactical fighters and bombers. So this thing is, it, maybe it's doing just a, a general traffic um, practice run, or maybe it's doing, uh, you know, an actual military uh, exercise. Whatever the case is, it's an issue because um, it's interrupting military exercises. So we have to. This is this is a big deal. It's not just hey, we're we're messing up a, a wine run for J Japan Airlines. This is military strata tanker with a lot of fuel on it. So I think anytime you have an aircraft and it's interrupting military exercises, you're going to have troubles. Now these things have been known to shoot down nukes when we're experimenting with them. These UFOs, they'll shoot laser beams at them to disarm them. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's so many different things that have happened, um, but I think that the the important message to take away from these uh, particular three stories is that these three stories are separate, but they confirm that there were some strange things going on in the Alaskan airspace, and they kind of confirm, well, they definitely confirm with John Callahan's report that Doc, uh, Captain Tarachi was a legitimate honest pilot and he shouldn't have been put on desk duty and how many other pilots were discouraged from coming forward probably thousands keep that in mind keep also in mind i just did a podcast about another military uh, uh, pilots that were talking about this with um representative tim burke where they stated we destroyed videotape, audio tape, 
that uh, we didn't want to have to answer to our higher-ups because the second you start talking about UFOs, somebody shows up, starts threatening you, your career, your family, and your livelihood. Anyway, I'll leave you with that. Thank God we have the whistleblowers coming forward, and they are fearless, and they are war spiritual warriors, uh, emotional warriors, and warriors for the future of humanity. We need this to come out so that we can benefit from the energy uh, technology. We don't necessarily need weapons, personally, but we need the energy technology. We need relief. We need financial relief desperately, especially here in America, and I'm sure around the world. We need, we need relief to build homes, to survive, to live without the fear of becoming homeless. We need, the, we need this technology. We need it. And we deserve to have it, if it exists. I love you guys. Keep that white light around you. Protect yourselves. Take care of yourself spiritually. Take care of yourselves physically. Take care of yourselves emotionally. Take care of your friends and family. Follow through on your hobbies and your goals and your dreams as they will keep you on the right path spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And continue to question the universe around you. Until next time, guys, take care. And Lockdown Universe out.